1: Welcome to Star Wars Action News. This is Marjorie. We're doing our year in review. I'm here with Arnie. Hello. And there's one thing we still got to talk about for
2: 2011, and that's EU. So we're here with Brock and Nathan to talk
1: about EU in 2011. So thank you guys for joining me. I'm glad to be here
0: discussing the year in Star Wars EU with the two of you. Always a pleasure having the three of us talk.
2: Yeah, good to be here.
1: So looking back at 2011 in star wars fiction and eu and you know it seems like usually we have a whole lot that the eu covers this year seems a little bit smaller no real video games except for lego star wars 3 which is not in continuity no force unleashed this time around or anything like that but we have a lot of books and a lot of comics
0: you mean no video games besides the massive multiplayer online game Right.
2: I, w- I would agree. We're, we're looking at a year that was very book heavy. Uh, it, it, I think for books, this was a very, very solid year, whether we're talking the, well, I guess from two categories. We got the adult books being pretty good, and there's quite a few unusual reference works out there. I'm not sure the young adult situation is particularly good this year, because there seems to have only been one of those that t- sends a fit an in-continuity mold here. Comic-wise, I think we're in, I think we're in okay shape. I, I would still say we're in sort of a rebuilding year, as opposed to being a real kind of kick-butt year for the series that are there. And, yeah, when it comes to the, the video games, when it comes to original eBooks and just other side items for the EU, it's really kind of a light year,
1: and I think this kind of goes with the whole overall theme of collecting for this year. But let's let's start on a positive note. What was your guys' high points for the year? Because I got to say, mine were Night Errant, Riptide, and The Heir to the Empire 20th Anniversary Edition.
0: All good choices. I think I have to put in my top three, definitely Deceived. Came out of nowhere. Uh, what a wonderful book. Uh, just... I did a review on that and earlier in the year, if you guys want to hear that, you can go to the archive section and it's one of my favorite books of this year, absolutely. Air of the Empire 20th Anniversary Edition, the information in that margins were so much fun, much like the Mad Magazine one from a few years ago, that I'm really, really glad they did that. I don't even know if they have to do it for the other two books. I had so much fun with this one. I kind of want to keep it this way. <laughs> I don't want to have anything <laughs> spoiled if they do it too much. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. That was just a wonderful, wonderful surprise.
2: I could sort of agree on the Knight Errant thing. I think Knight Errant set up a great background for that era. It certainly made it seem a lot cooler. It fits a lot of more historical themes, which is always something I really get into. He even purposely chose a 1066 as one of the dates being used as a reference to history with William the Conqueror and such. So, uh, great backstory there, but I had a hard time liking the Carol Holt character in the book. She kind of felt like a a petulant child a lot of the time, and now we're seeing her grow more in the comics, so probably if I reread it, I'd get into it more. But I would have to say my tops would be, as much as I hated to see it go, the end of Legacy with the last little bit of Legacy War, which is always a great one. Lego Star Wars The Padawan Menace, which is... (laughs) <laughs> EU, but not C-canon. It's that, that in-canon area within the EU. The license works out there. And I would have to say the novels were very, very strong. Uh, probably the top three for me in no particular order would have to be Deceived, which did a great job building on what we saw with that Deceived trailer and giving us a sense of Malgus in that era without being too date-driven, as it would be easy to do in something set in a relatively untouched era to set up an upcoming game. And I really liked... But part of me kind of sits back and I'm not even sure if that was one book I read or two because of the way that it was divided down the middle and the focus character changes so much. But I was also a big KOTOR game fan, so I love that one. And the big surprise for me was Riptide. Riptide Mm -hmm. turned out to be really well done, and it didn't start out feeling that way because their choice of point of view characters at first made me think, what are they doing? And by the end, I was loving it, and the way that story ends and the potential it has for new ones has me so excited. I'm willing to wait a matter of years if it takes that to finally get a sequel to that book, a third book in that particular storyline. So novels definitely won this time
1: for me. I have to completely agree with your opinion on Riptide. I know how some people feel that Karen Travis's Republic Commando series is never going to be picked up and completed and how really heartbroken people are. That's how I would feel if Jaden Kor's story does not continue, and it has to be in the hands of Cap.
0: Oh, absolutely. If they do it somewhere, somewhere else, it'd be a waste of time. Um, I'm, I'm right there with you. I thought Riptide oh. was a great surprise as well. Good book.
1: Now, you talked about some non-novel stuff, and I was kind of focusing on novels. I did get a chance to see The Padawan Menace in the best possible circumstance. Lego invited us to a press screening at San Diego Comic-Con. And so we got to go a little bit away from the con and get some free soda, free popcorn, and get to see The Padawan Menace before it aired on a big screen, high-def projection. And I got to say, I was hesitant to go to that. Because I remembered the little Lego movies they'd done on Cartoon Network before. And I like Lego Star Wars, but I don't know. I went in just kind of rolling my eyes with a bend there, done that kind of feeling. And mm. I was surprised just how dang enjoyable the whole thing was. And in spite of me going in in a grumpy, I don't think I'm going to like this mood, I walked out a big fan and bought it the night it came out
0: you know everything you just said about been there done that is exactly the why i didn't watch it yet so maybe i should watch this thing you guys both say it's good i'll check it out if you both say it's good
2: oh yeah it is it's the funniest official Star Wars parody material I have ever seen. I would say if you take the hilarity, you know, if you're in the right frame of mind of, say, the tag and bink stuff, take that up a notch, and that's basically what you got with Padawan Menace. It was a really, really good special, and I did not have very high hopes for it at all when it first aired. I thought it was all going to be pantomime. So did I. I was was just slapping my forehead.
1: Yeah, when they started talking, I was really confused. (laughs) And I got to say, not all the jokes work, you know? It's one of those... Kind of like I think of some of the Zefram Abrams Zucker films where there's so many gags and maybe one out of every four work, but they're coming so fast you don't stop laughing.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's it's one of those things where you almost have to watch it a second time because there are things you won't catch the first time around. And maybe it'll be funny the second time around. And I actually, the strange thing for me is a lot of times with parodies, I usually don't wind up enjoying them as much the second or third viewing because, you know, I've seen the gag. I know the gag. Love the robot chicken stuff, can watch it like crazy. But after the first couple of times, it's more just for the amusement of it, not for just the laugh out loud effect of it. It's more of a, huh, as opposed to a ha-ha. Padawan Menace had me cracking up the second time through when I was getting ready to review it for the EE review, so this is about my highest possible recommendation for any kind of Star Wars thing that's not an in-universe kind of deal here. Hmm. Though speaking of, I guess we could say, uh, there is one big novel thing this year, not novel as in book, but novel as in unique. uh, (laughs) We didn't see see much in the realm of video games, as was mentioned a few moments ago, but that Lego Star Wars 3 The Clone Wars, while being kind of just another continuation of that same old series, it did mark the first foray of Star Wars onto the Nintendo 3DS, which is interesting given the fact that the Clone Wars has, in many respects, except for Republic Heroes, been pretty much a Nintendo-exclusive kind of thing. You know, we had lightsaber duels, we had Jedi Alliance for the Wii and the DS, respectively. We've got this. I'm hoping that maybe we'll see more three-dimensional Star Wars stuff coming for the 3DS, because Lego Star Wars 3, it was really well done. The 3D effect wasn't overdone, and... I got enough fun out of it that I didn't feel like I needed the big console version because I think I burnt out on the bigger ones. But the 3D, it's an interesting realm to take Star Wars into, though I I fear that it may be gimmicky enough that we may not even see all films in 3D. But that's a whole other discussion.
1: Yeah, the Lego Star Wars 3, you're right. I'm in the exact same method. I've played through both the original and the prequel trilogy ones and loved them. Marjorie just went nuts for both of those. She was one of those who, like, goes back and gets every achievement and finds every part and every brick and builds every ship, and she spent countless hours on it. But what happened with the third one, we actually didn't pick that up, because we were going to... We talked about it several times, but for me, I'm kind of fatigued on the LEGO Star Wars games because I beat the first two and got my thing. And she loves LEGO Star Wars games, but she doesn't like the Clone Wars series and just doesn't click with her. And so between the two of us, we are waiting for it to just drop down to the bargain bin price, which we know it will. There was no impetus to spend the 50 $60. Now, I know the 3D version on the 3DS was one of the launch titles, one of the flagship titles that really promoted the 3DS – I have a DS and never played it, so I just cannot justify buying a 3DS. I have an iPhone. It's what I play my games on.
2: I'm sort of the same way, but I'm finding that the 3DS has wound up being a worthwhile purchase for things like... You know, Non-Star Wars stuff, the Super Street Fighter 4 stuff, the uh, Mario 3D Land, I just picked up Mario Kart 7. If you're into the 3D effect, I think its it's a fun little diversion if you do it in small bits now and then. I can't see it being my primary gaming console, but I would love to see what... Someone with a Star Wars license that's not tied into some other console where they have to make something that's similar. Because, I mean, the 3DS version of LEGO Star Wars 3 is essentially uh, the DS version with better graphics and the equivalent of the PSP version but without the 3D effects. So someone who is not tethered to other platforms they have to put it out on who can just focus on the 3DS, I would love to see what they could do with it
0: sure i'm right there with arnie too i played every single achievement on all all three games when i say three i played the prequel game the lego star wars 2 classic and then i played them all again as the complete saga got every single achievement in all three games so i'm done <laughs> with lego <laughs> star wars i'm done but if it does come in the bargain bin which arnie is absolutely right they always do a definite pickup for sometime in the future as my kids are getting older they certainly will probably be watching the new clone wars show uh, if not in first run and reruns,
1: no, they won't. No, well, they won't.
0: They might. I mean, I. It's not
1: for me. No, they won't. Nobody's going to remember the Clone Wars after this. You don't watch it, so you're not going to show it to them, and they're not going to give a crap about it when it's been <laughs> off the air for five years.
2: Well, we'll see. Wasn't that the one with the pansy Mandalorians? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: Don't say that's what Mandalorian's face, man. That's all I got to say.
2: Hey, hey, I'm a, hey I'm, I'm a Republic Forces Radio Network guy, as is Arnie. You know, I, I love the show, you know, follow it week to week, but it's had its, it's had its weak moments. But that was definitely a strong part, I guess, of this year. If you want to talk something that's not within the films themselves, Clone Wars was actually pretty strong. Unfortunately, they didn't have much in the way of tie-in stuff like they had done before. The novels that were direct tie-ins to the series sort of petered out here. It's kind of been... It's gone. Did they not sell well? I mean, what
1: the hell happened there? I don't
2: know. Those little trade paperback-type things, they disappear. You had the ongoing series. It was supposed to be ongoing, and then after a few storylines, it's gone. Now the first one's become episodes of the show. Really, the only stuff we had, it seems, aside from little kids' books that tied into it, and correct (laughs) me if I'm wrong, I remember Secret Missions finally had Duel at Shattered Rock, and it just sort of stopped. There's supposed to be another one coming, but it still hasn't come out yet. And then that tied into the newest digest, the Strange Allies, that brings the Oppress unleashed, free comic book day comic into it. And there was one other digest, a Star Crusher Trap. But beyond that, it seems like this whole experiment, if you want to call it that, with having the broader EU and having the Clone Wars cartoon series, and then having that sort of weird limbo in between where something is expanded universe, but it's based solely on the cartoon and affects nothing else and is affected by almost nothing else it's like that whole experiment just sort of stopped like somebody said you know what This isn't making money or this isn't where we want to go. And somewhere along the way, some licensee or licensees just decided to take things in a a different direction. But it, it didn't seem like it was ever anything that was explicitly stated anywhere. Hey, we're going this direction. It was just sort of what happened to these product lines?
1: Well, this is a much broader conversation than I want to tackle in this segment. But it seems like there are some changes in the wind at Lucasfilm. I mean, even before this season... The webcomics that accompanied the Clone Wars and were wonderful bridges, even if they didn't always fit in quite right. Like, again, the whole, you know, sometimes they were fixes for retcons and other times they were just needing more retcons. But I always liked that as a supplement to the TV show. I looked forward to the weekly webcomics that tied into the show as much as the show itself. Those went away and now StarWars.com did its redesign. The webcomics are virtually impossible to find the old archive newsprint strips are i don't know if they're still on there or not if so they're virtually impossible to find i mean they've taken to linking to wikipedia rather than provide their own information so it seems like maybe it's because there really did seem to be a schism between eu fans and clone wars fans because the clone wars does change so much or go against so much of established eu that trying to deliver EU to Clone Wars fans was like trying to serve beef in India.
2: Well, it's always been sort of that that theory out there that if you do that sort of thing, you're creating sort of a gateway drug, and other licenses do this, of course, you guys know that, where you have something that is more mainstream, like the cartoon, and you have stuff that is not as mainstream, say, the Star Wars EU books, uh, the comics, that sort of thing, and you try to bridge that gap with materials based on the one that are in the format of the other, and it just seems like it didn't seem to work. Uh, I think partly because they didn't go far enough. Here they are, they're producing materials tied into the Clone Wars, but they're not willing to push it just enough to say, hey, here's some characters out of the EU, I'd like to read more about them, and then have people jump to the EU. If they had done... Even a crossover between the Clone Wars comics and some other comic series, maybe that would have done it, but it just seemed like they were so compartmentalized in it. It almost felt like it was two completely different product lines. And who knows? Maybe financially it was. I'm not sure how the business workings worked when making the decisions. Maybe that was a whole separate deal outside of everything else.
1: It also seems, though, that the Clone Wars being directed under the direct guidance of Lucas himself doesn't have to play in the same sandbox as everyone else. We know Dark Horse and Del Rey and Chronicle and DK all get together and have these summits about, hey, what can we do to complement each other? What can we do that ties into each other? But Clone Wars doesn't seem so much to need that. And so it's like, as long as Clone Wars is on the air, the same way that Leland said that there's not going to be a timeline until Clone Wars is over, it almost feels like, Everybody else is just going to stay hands off until that they finish the show itself, and then they can start fitting it in. As it is, other than the Clone Wars, it seems to me the prequels are completely ignored in fiction. We have stuff that takes place thousands of years before the movies, Mm -hmm. and then we have stuff in the post-Jedi era, or in the case of Timothy Zahn, in the original trilogy era, but... What happened to the Qui-Gon books? What happened to the Anakin and Obi-Wan books? Or another Mace Windu Shatterpoint thing? The entire prequel era seems to be kind of off-limits.
2: Well, you've got a couple, at least. Though they're not the best examples. You have Dark Times that continues. How, I'm not sure. It's never really been my favorite of the series. It's always felt like a chore sometimes keeping up with it. I think because the issues come out so far apart. Instead of being something where it's month to month and just boom, 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 and you're you're getting the story at a rapid pace. But Dark Times is still out there, continuing at least a little bit off from what we get with the prequels. But isn't Dark Times post Revenge of the Sith? It's, it's post-Revenge of the Sith, but I mean, it's very, very, very soon afterwards. And if you're talking prequel characters, I mean, they are finally going back and exploring one of the prequel characters who never really got his due in the EU, which is Qui-Gon. They went back and retold and somewhat changed the backstory of Qui-Gon and his, well, now he's his second apprentice. It was his second apprentice, then his first apprentice, now he's his second apprentice again, Xanatos, and they told the story of Jedi the Dark Side, that short what was gonna be just a limited series from Dark Horse, and now that is going to be expanded to become a broader series, either a series of mini-series or an ongoing series with a slight break between the storylines, kinda of like we see with Dark Times and such. And we are finally going to get to see things that happen with Qui-Gon after what happens with Xanatos and prior to what winds up happening in some of the later stuff that we see, like the Jedi Apprentice books, where he takes on Obi-Wan for the first time. And it's not, I, I, I get what you're saying. It's not prequel era per se. The Clone Wars being overdone to death, you know, because you got the show and all the marketing and everything with that. But if you're going to use prequels now, it's more like they need to just take the characters and run with them in places where there are opportunities for more storytelling. And I think that's what Star Wars has been doing this year and the last couple of years. It's take the general concept of Star Wars and shoot it off in different directions. And we went with the 137 years in the future, we had the stuff with Legacy. Then we went, and we went back to uh, Knights of the Old Republic, the comic series. Now we've got Knight Errant. They're going into the fate of the Jedi territory, finally wrapping that up as, as we head into the next year or so. And you know, they're, they're delving into the Old Republic for the video game era. It just seems like they're more willing to go off in different directions now for, I think, partly because so much has already been done, so much ground has already been covered, but also because in doing so, whether consciously or not, they're managing to stay clear of whatever Lucas might be doing with the Clone Wars cartoon series. It makes it so you can tell these dynamic, very deep stories in some cases and send out this whole fleshed-out new era and give yourself a new playground, in a sense. Knight Errant did that great with the way the novels set up that era. The older public novels and the, and the MMO are setting up that particular era. It, it all just basically comes back to what is your definition of Star Wars? Is it the film characters or is it the universe? If it's the former, you're kind of out of luck. If it's the latter, then you know have at it because there's whole new eras opening up. Agent of the Empire and everything else. Dawn of the Jedi next year.
0: Well, I think one of the big reasons we're not seeing more books in the prequel era is very simple, is that a lot of the people who are fans of the EU, the Phantom Menace and the Attack of the Clones era, you can certainly do more books in that era because what the Clone Wars is doing is post-Attack of the Clones. So you certainly can do it there. But maybe the people they're finding in their research, maybe the people who buy the EU for the most part are not interested in that era. That could be as simple as that, guys. And we don't know.
1: All right. But I'm going to state, you know, maybe this is going to show I'm not as open-minded as I'd like to be with EU, but I cannot imagine that books with Kira Holt or Darth Revan or Jaden Core on the cover would be as recognizable and as interesting to a newcomer to EU as something with Darth Maul or Qui-Gon or something they've seen in the movies. I have to think That and maybe it's my own personal bias, but when I pick up a book like Revan or like any of the Knights of the Old Republic stuff, and keep in mind, I read Tales of the Jedi, Knights of the Old Republic, when it was Dark Horse's first miniseries, and I thought it was okay. But all these different eras, while the books themselves, in many cases, are very good. I loved Deceived. I loved Knight Errant. But when I started both of them, it felt like homework to me to be like, all right, when are we? Who are the players? What is this? Oh, this is just an analog of the Empire. Oh, this is just an analog of the Republic. Oh, this is just a duplicate that you're putting in a different time. It doesn't even feel all that olden for thousands of years having passed. And so it I've always felt these different times. I mean, Tales of the Jedi took place thousands of years before because Lucas was working on the prequels and Dark Horse wanted something, and so they said, how about we go thousands of years before? And now, in my opinion, it's become ridiculous.
2: I think the big thing about it is, and you're right that they are going into these eras that are harder to recognize. I would say that the mainstream audience who's never picked up EU is going to have a very hard time picking up a lot of the the recent stuff. Uh, In the standpoint of things like, though, the... Revan novel or Deceived or anything like that. I think there's sort of that middle ground audience where you have people who have the films who've not followed the EU at all, you have the big EU followers, but you also have ones who maybe have played the video games but have never checked out other EU. I think that's one of those markets that exists just enough outside of the regular EU market that you can actually connect. You have to sort of have that gateway drug, so to speak, like the Revan novel. But at the same time, That sort of explains where some of this stuff has been missing the mark, because you have some really good stuff out there, like the last few Fate of the Jedis after the lather, rinse, repeat first ones. you got some really strong stuff in the last couple. Um, We've got Deceived. But in some cases, like Fate of the Jedi, you're sort of sitting there scratching your head again. Why is this taking place? Uh, what background do I need to know? It, there's a lot of questions about that. You look at stuff like Legacy, great series, but not a lot of recognizable characters. In fact, on the cover, I think, what, there was once those recognizable characters because they had a Force Ghost Luke on the cover at one point. But if you look at the times they are trying to delve into the classic era uh, with the familiar characters, you've got choices of one. You've got reissues of previous novels, Heir to the Empire, uh, Darth Maul, Shadowhunter, that sort of thing. You've got comic series, like Darth Vader in The Last Command. And in a lot of ways, and you know, I know there's, there's certainly diverse opinions out there, but in a lot of ways, for a lot of the diehard EU folks, at least that I know, those really have missed the mark because they've been so generic of, let's just fit this time period with these characters and really not care about what else is around it, that it leaves people scratching their heads a lot. You know, we don't want to see an inept Luke bumbling with his lightsaber and getting pickpocketed. We want to see Luke as we've known him, as we have grew up with the EU. We don't want to see Darth Vader leading a bunch of stormtroopers we don't care about to a planet we don't care about to deal with a problem we don't care about with an ending that will have no impact, even if it is a well-told story at the time, because the diehard EU fans are going to sit back and say, why did this story exist? Why did I just spend that money? So there's this huge disconnect But the vocal part of fandom is the EU fans in a lot of ways when it comes to these materials. So I think they're not getting the positive feedback from those who jump into something brand new and say, hey, I just picked this up because of Darth Vader and the Lost Command. I had fun. What else can I read? Instead, it's the, wow, that was just kind of just another story tossed in that same old time period. What's next? Kind of attitude from a lot of us longtime EU guys.
1: And I don't think you're wrong. And I definitely think you're stating what I believe is Lucas Enterprises hopes is that Knights of the Old Republic, the MMORPG will have, you know, I'm sure that they hope that it becomes World of Warcraft big. I think maybe they'd be happy if it's a quarter of World of Warcraft big and those people will become as intimately familiar with that era as we are with the movie era. And then they'll be far more Apt to pick up one of the books of course what's really funny is that trailer deceived which then spurned the novel deceived was done by an ad agency that had absolutely nothing to do with the development of the game <laughs>
2: but well the cutscenes we saw are essentially backstory for the game in a sense here we're leading up to it i'm more concerned and that's basically what we've gotten eu wise for the old republic at this point we've gotten The Threat of Peace, Blood of the Empire stuff, that's all prequel material. Fatal Alliance is right before the game takes place. Deceived and Revan are set before the game, with Revan being way before the game, setting up some stuff that has already hit YouTube at this point. But then you've got the one time so far they've tried to set something in the same era of the game, and you get The Old Republic, The Lost Sons, which felt... It, it, to many reviewers' eyes, apparently, uh, mine included, very rushed. And we didn't get to learn about or care about the character in there. And this is supposed to be another story in parallel to the MMO's different faction or uh, class storylines. So I think, you know, you, you got a good point there, but I'm curious where they're going to be able to take the the Old Republic stuff. Is it going to be popular enough to get people to do the buying of those other Things, and I think you're right to be skeptical.
1: It just seems like you keep getting smaller and smaller pieces of the pie, right? If the pie is the global populace, and you cut one piece of that, and that's Star Wars fans, and then you cut that, and that piece you cut off is now MMORPG fans, and then you cut that, and it's MMORPG fans who leave their computers long enough to read a book.
2: True. I do have to wonder, though, about the size of the audience because uh, the last I saw, the beta for The Old Republic, just looking at Thanksgiving weekend, there was over 725,000 people logging in on this thing just on the beta. So if even a fraction of that decides we're going to go check out the books or the comics that are tied into it, then I think that could be another one of those good gateway drugs if the materials they're picking up are good. And it's been a very mixed bag with the old Republic tie-in stuff. The novels have been great. The comics have been fairly weak. Of course, part of that is because they start out as web comics, and then you condense them into regular comics, and their flow is a little different. I think before we, we end this conversation,
0: we have to talk about the Fate of the Jedi series, which we had two books of this year.
1: Why do we have to talk about it? I didn't feel like I had to read it.
2: Yeah, well, I read it for the show, my friend, <laughs> and so we're going to talk about it now. Now, now. I read no. it, too. Um, Arnie must I, go sit in the corner now. Yeah,
0: you can go be quiet. No, seriously, uh, there's two books this year, and it's, and it's supposed to be finished this year, of course, The Delay, the last book by Troy Denning till the spring of next year. So this conversation we have a year from now, we could still talk about Faye the Johnny Arnie, if you'd like. Well,
1: let me, <laughs> so- let me tell you why I didn't read the books, to be perfectly honest, is by the time book seven was rolling around, the latest Aaron Alston one, mm-hmm. I'd read book six, and – I was really having trouble remembering the disparate events of books one, two, and three. And so with book seven coming out, and it was supposed to be seven, eight, and nine pretty rapid, I was actually planning to reread one through six and then do seven, eight, and nine. And now that nine's coming out next year, I bought seven and eight, but I'm going to wait and probably right after I finish my way anticipated Darth Plagueis novel, then I'm going to start and do the entire series in one massive readathon
0: that's a bold statement I wish you luck with that project. I, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. I am not going to reread these eight books that I've read so far. The two that came out this year were marked improvements, I thought, uh, but much less did it feel like they were wasting time, much like the first that we talked about those books last year and the year before. But the point is this, that I'm getting ready for this, book to, uh, this series to finally end, thank goodness, and I'm looking forward to them to stop doing nine-book series. And I have to say... I'm really hoping they put Christy Golden on another project because Ascension, for all its flaws, you can really see that she – I think she understands some Star Wars writing. I think she'd be a really good Star Wars writer in the future, so I hope she gets another book. Uh, Nathan, I know you and I have talked about *Fate of the Jedi before. Did you feel uh, Ascension as leading us to a place where we actually could get a somewhat a satisfying conclusion out of uh, Troy Denning's last book?
2: I would hope so. I was a big fan of the last nine book series, Legacy of the Force, and I know the last book there by Troy Denning, Invincible, was kind of controversial because he he sort of told what needed to be told rather than lo- tying up all the loose ends in spectacular fashion for each loose end. It'll be interesting to see what approach he takes to the final book of Fate of the Jedi now that he again is being handed off the last book out of nine. I will say that it definitely has gotten better. I think once we hit Backlash, I started to really enjoy the series, especially with each subsequent book. The first three really just sort of felt like lather, rinse, repeat. Now it sort of makes sense why they went to the places they did to a degree, but it almost feels like those could have been one book. One Agreed. longer book, or maybe a couple of shorter books or something. Uh, but I've really enjoyed the last few, and I will say there were some definite holy crap moments. The end of Ascension, to me, had the same feel, not necessarily the last pages, but the last couple chapters, had the same feel to me as I had at the end of Riptide, going, awesome, I want to see the next book. And then that whole energy is completely deflated when I realize it's going to be months and months and months until we get a chance to read it. This is nine books spread over three years And it sort of feels like that is way too long of a gap, especially when the first ones didn't cover as much ground as the later ones did, at least as far as plot developments go. And when you're dealing with a series here that is all hardback, because especially if someone's looking for paperback, they might as well just forget it because it's even longer to get these things, about a year in some cases longer. So, I don't know, I am hoping, I'm with you on the idea that I hope they do shorter series, or if they don't do shorter series, make more paperbacks part of the project, like with Legacy of the Force, or like with the New Jedi Order, and in doing so, also shorten the length of time between them. I understand they wanted to go back and add some more subplots and such to to develop this a little bit more, listening to fan feedback from the first few books. I get that. But, that should not come at the expense of stretching this out into a nine-book saga that lasts three years. More and more, I'm starting to scratch my head. Uh, Arnie mentioned the Imperial Commando books a few minutes ago about how the Imperial Commando may never end. And the excuse given for that was, well, even if we found another writer, it would just be too long before the next book could come out. People would have lost interest by then. And we're seeing this series stretch out months at a time between individual books. We're seeing them bring back the Coruscant Knights books with all their continuity errors, hopefully fixed for book number four, um, but Shadow Games is not giving me much hope with that. And we're seeing all these ideas that are coming back after years, and yet that one, the excuse was, sorry, it would take too long. So it it sort of feels like there's... there's Two different tunes that are being marched by, and I'd like to see them give us something as a coherent plan going forward that we can feel both comfortable with in our pocketbooks, but at the same time be able to look at and say, you know what, I'm looking forward to this stuff. This is stuff I want to see. I must say, when Fate of the Jedi started, it sounded interesting, but I didn't want to see a nine hardback series, because that's a lot of money to ask people to wind up paying, uh, even if they're getting an ebook format when they first come out. I'm optimistic about where they're going to go, but I don't know, nothing that I've seen for the next few years, at least of, I guess the next year or two, that they've announced has me super, super excited right now. I'm waiting for that one big wow thing. Maybe Mercy Kills what's going to do it. The X-Wing novel by Alston.
1: I am really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward mm. to Paul S. Kemp's mysterious duology, just because I've loved everything he's written. I do hope that they don't do another big series like this because I loved the idea of another nine book series after the last one. And now this one has it just kind of soured me. But I do hope they continue to build into the future and maybe kind of go back to the Bantam era days where they would build upon the universe, but not. In such a big way, or maybe something, you know, not as marketed as New Jedi Order, but like New Jedi Order, where they still have the one Sith operating in the background as they've been doing in a lot of these novels, both Kemp's and the Fate of the Jedi series, but also having more individual storylines that, yes, have impact and continue to grow the galaxy.
2: If only we could see them do something in smaller doses with the grand plan in mind like they've had with some of these previous book series. But do it in smaller doses and do it perhaps during the gap between the trilogies in that era where there's not as much stuff to bump into and that it's probably easier to work with. But from everything that I've heard, unless Lucas has said something different, it doesn't seem like he's said much about it in a while, that live action series, if it ever gets off the ground... That's its era, so it's mostly off-limits for certain big events. It's That seems like the place with the most promise, and yet the least likelihood of us seeing something along those lines.
1: Yeah, but as a fan, since Heir to the Empire was published the first time, I want to continue to see EU grow with the future of what's going on with Luke, Leia, and Han. And eventually, they will die, and I guess the only kids left are Ben and Jaina, but, you know... <laughs>
2: They're running
0: out of kids to kill.
2: <laughs> the, next, the, next, uh, the next Imperial Walker will just be one of those things you have to use to actually help you get around the nursing home. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I am very, very excited, though, to see them pl- going into certain eras. I have to say the thing I'm looking forward to the most is actually not a novel. It is the comic series. I am psyched for Dawn of the Jedi. Because you bring back the Legacy team to do a story set that far back now that they're finally answering some of the questions in the backstory of the Old Republic that sets up the backstory for the founding of the Jedi and such. I'm incredibly excited about where they wind up going with that. There'll probably be a few technological things that are going to cause probably people to pull their hair out. Like, why are they using this kind of weapon? Why are they using that kind of weapon that far back? And all that kind of stuff. But just to see a story like that that for so long was out of bounds— and to let them go with it with one of their stronger creative teams, that is something uh, I would love to see. I mean, cancel the vast majority of the rest of the Star Wars comics out there if you can just get me Dawn of the Jedi earlier. You know, it's it sounds that promising.
1: And I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see where the Jedi came from. Some things don't need to be answered. But... Darth Plagueis, however, needs to be answered. I need that book. This yeah. is
2: true. I'm waiting for a, for a review copy myself. I'm hoping that we will finally have that line from uh, whatever that Vader magazine was a while back. Not the complete Vader, but the Vader magazine from a while back, where they seem to have confirmed that, yes, Anakin was a Sith creation created through midichlorian manipulation and such. I want to see them confirm or deny and actually give us some backstory to it if it is confirmed. I want That big, loose end tied up, and I want to see Lucino knock it out of the park, especially since this is a book that's now on its second life.
1: You mentioned The Complete Vader. You guys got that this year. I got that last year.
2: (laughs) I did not. I didn't pick it up.
0: I have it. Right here in front of me.
1: I was one of those who pre-ordered it on Amazon last year and it showed up on my doorstep and I promptly put it on my bookshelf and then heard, what do you mean it's delayed a year? And Amazon sent me an email going, there's a problem with your book. If you send it back, we'll give you back your money. I'm like, no. It is mine, and I thought the book might never ever see the light of day for whatever reason. I thought conspiracy theory, but no, my pages were a little stuck together, so I was happy to get a second copy this time. But it's—is I, I is it a collectible that I have the misprint with the bad ink?
2: I don't know. Is—is is it a collectible that my copy of the Art and Making of the Force Unleashed uh, had the cover fall off like a lot of them did? Does that
1: make that a collector's
2: item? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> sure.
0: All oh, right, right. Sure, I'll say why not.
1: The difference would be I guess I have to check my bad edition to see if it has a 2010 copyright, and that would then yes.
2: Somewhere yeah. out there there will be somebody obsessed enough to say, that's the one I must have. I've got a friend who hunts down not just first releases uh, but f- and not just first uh, printings, but first editions or whatever. He He's, he's checking the little copyright line and the countdown. Uh, awesome guy, great guy, but whoa. Even I'm not that obsessive, and I, I'm always amazed by the depth of knowledge he has about some of these earlier printings.
0: So you brought The Complete Vader. That's one of the only coffee table reference type books we got this year, nonfiction book. And then, while beautifully illustrated, has some amazing uh, flip through the book value, um, but not a big year for these kinds of big books. Uh, we did have a fun little book in that Star Wars craft book. Which was a lot of fun to look through too, and, and, and if you have – done some of those and uh, please post some on the forum so we could see some of your projects. And,
1: you know, Marjorie was doing the craft of the week until we got into the packing a box of the week. Exactly.
0: Uh, And that was a lot of fun, too, for you guys. So absolutely. Um, But overall, it was kind of, um, you know, in past years, we've had these big grand books that would sit on coffee tables. For example, this year seems to be a kind of a light year in that department.
1: I don't know. We got the Millennium Falcon owner's manual. And yeah, yeah, we got that.
2: I have to say, that actually, that surprised me. It wasn't quite what I would have expected from a Haynes manual, having seen ones that my family's owned in the past. But I like the fact that they're giving us essentially a guide to the Millennium Falcon. It's something that's been asked for over the years, and it never really showed up in that detailed a form. And it makes a good companion piece to that 3D owner's guide from a while back with the cutaways where it's smaller snippets of information. Here it's more like an essential guide. It makes a nice companion. I'm not sure... If I had to go with one or the other, which one I would go with, but it was nice. I I actually, I, I haven't picked one up, but I'm slowly but surely getting fascinated by Star Wars Legos, and while I haven't picked up the Legos themselves, I'm the kind of guy who, just like with, I'm not playing the Old Republic MMO, but I'm picking up a strategy guide because I'm the timeline guy. I'm actually really interested in picking up some of those Lego Star Wars guidebooks, and there was that character encyclopedia that came out, so... You know, that's another of these nice little coffee table books, fun to flip through. Uh, You can find it at a bookstore near you where I'm sure, just like every place I've gone, the figure has been taken out by some hoodlum.
1: Yeah, you must live in a bad hood because all of mine have the figures there.
2: I've never seen a Lego Star Wars book that had the figure in it sitting on a store shelf. Wow.
1: Now, there was also... The Clone Wars Incredible Vehicles, which I really like that book. I always love the vehicle books, though. I always have been fascinated by the tech of Star Wars and even the Clone Wars. I'm hit or miss on their designs, but I thought that was a great book.
2: You want to talk about technical stuff? Also, we got the second of those three D books. This or the but not three D, three D, but with three D in the title. We got that Darth Vader three D reconstruction log. That was pretty cool. I didn't pick up complete Vader, so I don't know how much crossover there is between those. But we again had Ryder Windham, I believe it was, doing that that cutaway style book. And, you know, that was a nice guide into that. That's always been something you hear about in bits and snippets, but I've never really had a chance to just look at the detail and the thought that's gone into all the different parts of Vader's armor throughout the EU over the years. It's a fun little little book for me to check out it's not necessarily something i'm going to go back to a lot but especially if you get somebody who just likes the coffee table book something of star wars to flip through as opposed to prose fiction to read that's actually a pretty good one and the previously mentioned millennium falcon cutaway book too
1: now you mentioned like coffee table books brock i don't know how mm. big your coffee table is but we'd be <laughs> remiss if we didn't mention the star wars blueprints book which is amazing astounding I'm still sometimes kicking myself for passing on it when it was half off at Amazon, 250 down from 500 But again, I got so many statues on pre-order, and it, it's, again, a book I'd flip through. And am I going to flip through something for $200? A statue I look at for hours over the course of years. A book that I flip through and then put away for hundreds of dollars. I just couldn't pull the trigger, but it is gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. And, yeah. oh, you know, it is... Honestly, for those who are into this type of thing, so much more infinitely detailed on how things were made in the movies than either of Renzler's making of books, because the making of is more about the people. This is about the things
2: see, I'd be afraid if I bought that book, well, first off, that I would have to sell off something. I'm thinking a kidney. Uh, and
1: <laughs> I'm sure it's just some plasma.
2: yeah I'm afraid that I would have, I would damage it you know, or that it would come damaged. Amazon does not have the best track record with me uh, when it comes to certain things showing up undamaged, especially DVD sets and such. But man, I would be afraid of damaging something that costs hundreds. I mean, I've been eyeing that three book or three volume hardback set of the Williamson Goodwin newspaper strips that they put out that has the signatures of both and their limited edition and everything. I've been eyeing that for ages and I've never found one within my price range because most of them are past a thousand dollars and obviously nobody's bidding on them on eBay, but they're still sitting there and the prices they haven't brought them down to relist them in quite a while. But it's another thing I'm looking at it going. I'm not sure if I would wind up spending the money only to wind up damaging something that would I be kicking myself about.
1: Yeah. Damaging expensive things collectibles really sucks but in the end you know are you buying that to be a collectible that you will someday resell or are you buying it for yourself and if you get a dinked corner does that take away from your enjoyment these are all very personal questions so someday
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know i bought uh, i bought two copies of the vault a couple years ago so i can open one so i don't have to worry about that exact problem
1: i have four, just in case
0: There you go. It's like I wanted to play with all the stuff inside. So I understand exactly what you mean. A few years ago with the making of Star Wars, I actually have a paperback version as well as the hardcover version, and more. I always go through the hardcover because I don't want to break the spine on the paperback version, so I know exactly what you mean.
1: You're talking to somebody who buys one copy of the books to put on my shelf and another that I call a reader version. See,
2: it's funny to me that you say that because, I mean, you guys are the collector guys. I'm the EU guy. I would expect I'm the one who's going to be more focused on the way that an EU item looks, but I guess I do it more for the story, so... You know, I'll still get stuff in the first version. You know, I hunted down all the Ewok comics, which I read once, and I hopefully will never ever have to read again. <laughs> uh, until we do it for Republic Forces, I'm sure someone's going to say, "How about you review the comics too?" But now just going back into you know, just the the process, I can't see picking up multiple copies. I have only done that. Uh, at least as far as picking up multiple copies because of damage I had to do that with the Force Unleashed graphic novel which had the middle pages come come apart and Randy Stradley actually sent me a replacement copy of it I almost did that with the Force Unleashed art and making of but I said no because I was hearing a lot about the same you know people all over having that same problem with the book cover and then just recently of all things A damaged copy of the Clone Wars magazine came to me, and I had to call them up like a little kid going, "'My magazine's messed up. Can you send me a replacement?' You know, and apparently they didn't even have to look up my name because as soon as I told them my zip code, they were like, we'll send you out a copy. So I must be the only person in my entire zip code who subscribes to the Clone Wars magazine.
1: Oh, no. They're just like, it's that butler again.
2: <laughs> it's, it's that guy. It's that guy. I hope it's just because they got some kind of caller ID thing built into their computer system. And it's not really that I'm the no, only one. No, it's just around.
1: they know it's that butler again. <laughs> yeah. Well, you say you don't pick up the multiple copies. What about... Ebooks, because I find myself now, whereas I used to buy the reader copies, now that everything is digital just about, I'm picking it up for the Kindle and reading it on my phone, my computer, my Mac. I can highlight. I can take my notes, and I'm not breaking anything.
2: Mm. You know, of all things, uh, I have moved on to my Nook Symbol Touch for almost everything. And for my comics, except for series that I collect, I've moved on to doing the digital comics with the Comixology comi- app. But because I make that distinction between collecting and regular reading, Star Wars books are one of the few types of books I will still get in print only. The only reason I will pick up a Star Wars book as an ebook, unless it's something for some reason I absolutely have to have at that moment to carry with me, and maybe I don't have enough space for something else, is the stuff that's only released as e-books, like the Lost Tribe of the Sith stuff, which of course now we find is going to be coming next year with not just all the e-books at this point that have already been released free in the last one, but it'll have a concluding story that's only available in that paperback edition. So you know, either way, you know, you'd have to wind up buying either the paperback of the whole thing or the ebook of the paperback release, that would have a bunch of stuff you've already got free as ebooks, and that one last story. Uh, I don't know. I just, I Star Wars books have been such a collectible thing for me for so long. There's the one place I haven't made the jump. I was excited to see Star Wars, another big thing with Star Wars books in 2011, to have the entire Star Wars library become ebookized, which I'm sure is not a word. Yeah. Uh, I was excited to see that, but I'm not the target audience for that. I do know that Kelly who's one of the co-hosts for the EU Review. She's going to be with with me when we move to Star Wars Beyond the Films in January. But uh, she does it now. If we're going to read something to review, I'll either get a review copy sent to me, which is happening every now and then, or I'll go and pick it up as an actual physical book. As soon as it comes out for her, she just pulls it up on her Kindle and she just starts reading. I I think that's just the story collector in me, hence those story collecting segments, what, last year, I guess, uh, that we did with the show.
1: Yeah, I just remember when the three of us got together to discuss the future of e-publications and e-comics and e-books, and now all of them are available, and that is how I do the majority of my Star Wars reading, is in e-book format anymore.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, what sold me on the digital format was the Nook, when I had the original Nook, now I have the Nook Simple Touch, but also the iPad. I would not have agreed with you guys, I don't think, and I think I didn't when we did that segment, about (laughs) the future of comics And digital readers at that point, because I was used to reading them on the computer screen and the small devices, you know, panel to panel is kind of a pain in the butt. I've got an Android phone, kind of a pain in the butt. But now that I have an iPad, in fact, digital comics is part of what sold me on getting an iPad. That in the Dead Space game said, oh, time to buy an iPad. Uh, But now that I've got it, I can't see picking up comics I'm just going to read and then forget about in any other form. Because I... I'm not the kind when it comes to comics usually to read and then sell off again. I might do that with video games. So I'm still a little eh, on the digital version of that. But when it comes to comics or books, I don't tend to sell them off. I'll donate them if I do anything with them. So why not go with digital? You get it now, you get it quick. Uh, you just have to buy that five, six, 700 device beforehand.
1: <laughs> you know, I would agree with you if all comics were doing what I think it's top cow who's doing it and knocking a dollar off the cover price. But if I'm going to pay the same price, digital or print, I want something that I don't care if I'm cutting it up for a collage to put in my locker. I want something to show for it if it's the same price. When they do the same thing and say, all right, I know it kind of screws the comic book store, but this is what we got to do and do what iTunes did and reduce price to 99 cents a song. And they start reducing price to a buck 99 or 99 cents a comic the way it used to be when I collected comics in the 90s. I will go digital, but until then i'm print and of course, for the star wars comics i 'll be print for as long as they print
2: yeah, mm-hmm. I would say I actually think it's kind of interesting you say that i would I would love to see the stats on the Star Wars novels now that they are being released in ebook form day and date, and on some of the back catalog being released because i mean i'm with you on that whole well. You know, why pay the same price for something you may not have in physical form? On the comics, for me, it's just a matter of simplicity. The local comic shop here has shut down the one nearest to me. So I just have everything ordered through things from another world. But there's a delay involved. So in that case, you know, I'm fine with picking them up digitally, even if it is the same price. But when it comes to books... It's interesting, if you look at the Star Wars paperbacks, they're all the same price in paperback as they are on ebook form, even going back to the early, early stuff, even back to the first version of Heir to the Empire, even back to Splinter of the Mind's Eye, $7.99 generally. But you look at the hardbacks, and the hardbacks are a significant discount if you pick them up day and date with the actual hardback, even comparing sometimes to Amazon prices in physical form. So there is still a discount built in there with the Kindle, with the Nook, whatever. I'm curious to see if that has driven... Uh, or how how that has divided the Star Wars readership in terms of people finally picking up things in ebook form because of things like Fate of the Jedi that are only out there in hardback. Because in those cases, there is an actual benefit of it from the paperbacks. It's a wash, and you don't have a physical thing to collect, so it's more of a space management issue.
0: I'm I'm of the of the mind if I'm paying 7.99. For a digital copy, it's not fair because I'm thinking the there's less overhead cost; it's more profit for them. You know what I mean? And so, in my mind, it should be cheaper in the ebook format than a paper version. But I realize that kind of thinking is quickly becoming outdated. But that's where I, my mind still is.
2: Oh, I totally agree. I just, I, I just, I'm fine with it as it is. But I, am I would definitely love to see it go that route because I think logically, economically, that makes sense, and it's probably where they're going to wind up at some point anyway. Once that overhead is being used, As more things go just digital, I would think the overhead would, should drop, and you should wind up seeing the prices drop. But pff, now, when, when's the last time we saw comic prices drop significantly, except bargain bin?
1: When was the last time you saw CD prices drop significantly until CDs went away and became MP3s? And now MP3s are regularly 69 cents on Amazon.com. So it's a matter of the change, but change is painful.
2: This is true, and and no one is going to know that this year, perhaps more than those who were playing Galaxies, who are now getting the Old Republic and finding that their computers
1: will not play it. I got a new computer for the Old Republic, and I don't even plan to play for more than a month. Wow,
2: wow, wow. I, I got into the beta and didn't even play the thing. <laughs> um, but it's it's it should be, I, I want to say 2012, looking ahead, kind of as we're you know thinking about the end of 2011 and the beginning of 2012. There are new avenues to be explored, there's new places that they're going with it, and I'm excited to see where it goes. It, it, again, it really felt like a rebuilding year. And even the stuff that wasn't really rebuilding, that just continued on something from before, like, say, Riptide, set up things that will be interesting to see coming, whether it's the end of Fate of the Jedi or otherwise.
1: I have to say that when I went to C2E2 earlier this year and went to the EU panel and they announced all those books, including the Darth Plagueis novel, it was one of the high points of my Star Wars year because of all the things they announced. But most of them were 2012 titles. So yeah, I could see this as a rebuilding year. I definitely am looking forward, though, to some big announcements about what their plans are because it seems like none of the authors can talk about anything beyond, you know, their current book they can't even talk about current series just current book and i want to see old faces and new get back behind the pens and bring us some great star wars fiction for years to come it's
2: all just waiting for us to see jar jar get kicked in the junk by a pit droid in 3d all
1: right well brock nathan thank you for joining us for this portion of our year in review
2: glad to be
0: here thanks for having me thank you Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that show at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at swactionnews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at swactionnews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at swactionnews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. You can help support Star Wars Action News by using the affiliate links on our homepage when shopping online. We would also appreciate it if you spread the word about Star Wars Action News by posting about us on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, or just tell a friend about the show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can also cast a vote for us each month at Podcast Alley. Links to both can be found on our homepage at SWActionNews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please visit YakFace.com, HansHideout.blogspot.com, and Archives.com, And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is website designed by Jason, associate produced and announcements by Brock, reporters Jerry, Dan, Steve, and Justin, graphic designed by Chris, and podcast enhancement by Barrett. Star Wars Action News is copyright 2011, all rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademarked and copyrighted Lucasfilm Limited, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Star Wars Action News is a production of Enganza Media Incorporated.